I want us to engage this passage a little bit differently. Um, instead of kind of the, here's the three key points we can pull away from this, I just want us to engage this as though we're hearing this news for the very first time, which I know is a difficult ask. But Isaiah chapter 7, starting at verse 10, where it says, Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz says, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The people of Israel, as we know at this point in their history, are living in oppression. They are seeing their once great nation be dwindled down to nothing. Uncertain as to what their future holds, uncertain as to what's going to become of this chosen people of God. And God begins to bring these signs. He begins to bring these promises to light that one is coming. One who's been promised all through the Old Testament over and over and over. One is coming. There's one who's going to come. He's going to be the Messiah. He's going to be the deliverer. He's going to make everything new. He's going to right all of the wrongs. And they're longing, they're anticipating this arrival of the Messiah. And so we get here this glimpse of this sign in verse 14. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Now, I don't know about you, but if that sign is given to me, I'm not overly optimistic. I mean, it's not like it's a regular occurrence in the news that another virgin has born a son. Another virgin has born a child. Waiting for the day when suddenly you find a pregnant virgin is something that's like, oh, that seems a little unrealistic. I could certainly see the Messiah coming about in the natural way, you know, husband and wife, and now this child's a Messiah. And, and so many women at that point would have longed for their son to be the Messiah. But to now expect this miracle of a virgin birth almost starts to make this feel like it's out of reach. Like, I don't know if this is ever going to happen. A virgin conceiving a child. Sometimes those promises of God can seem intangible. They can seem unrealistic. And even as we live the reality of day-to-day -day life now, and we have this assurance that one day we're going to see Jesus face-to-face, -face. one day Jesus will come and establish his kingdom, sometimes it can feel a little bit unrealistic. All we see around us is war and all we see around us is conflict and all around us all we see is sickness and death and disease and destruction and hatred and all of these things and really someone's going to come and just overturn all of that 
Jesus is actually going to come back, that this, this one that I've had faith in is actually going to physically be present and I'm actually going to see him. And sometimes it, it can feel like, am I sure I'm not just, this isn't just a fantasy that I have going in my head. Is, is this really actually going to happen? Is this really going to become a reality? Or is this just something on a statement of faith that I have? I mean, how often do we actually face every day with the reality of, oh, it didn't happen overnight, but today could be the day that Jesus comes in all of his glory. We may not have Christmas services here because Jesus could come back in all of his glory. There's that part of us like, yes, that, that's, yeah, that would be awesome. But then if you're like me, there's that little guy in the back of my head, ladies, you probably have a, a woman in the back of your head, but it's like, that's yeah, not going to happen. It almost becomes this fantasy. But then Isaiah goes on to give this other thing that in this context is just kind of thrown in there and then moved on as though it's not a big deal. But as verse 14 goes on, not only is the virgin going to conceive and bear a son, but his name is going to be Emmanuel, which we could sit around and say, okay, you know, that's, that's, that's a nice name, interesting name. But what Isaiah doesn't do here is give us the definition like we find in the New Testament. Like his name's going to be Emmanuel, which, by the way, means God with us. God with us. 2,000 years ago, God walked this planet. Let that reality sink in. And let the reality of how he did that sink in. Because ultimately, Jesus came to die on a cross. He could have come down as a fully grown man and just gone to the cross, and it could have been like a weekend event. God came into this world... As we're reminded in nativity scenes, as a baby, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator and sustainer of all things, comes in a baby, comes in the form of one who, uh, we don't have to go into all the graphic details about what comes with being a baby. God in flesh, needing someone to change his diaper. Can't feed himself. Can't even burp by himself. Needs someone to tend to his every need. Needs someone to soothe him to go to sleep. It's God in flesh. In the form of a baby the most vulnerable way he could have possibly come is the way that he chose to come. Completely, totally helpless. And it amazes me how often you see depictions of the nativity. And sometimes it's a little bit creepy. Because you look at these nativity scenes or these paintings and 
And if you look, and even sometimes our nativity sets at home, if you really look at it, it's a little weird. You've got baby Jesus with like pecs and abs and like a full head of hair and this manly face. And Something about us is afraid to fully embrace the reality of Jesus as a helpless little baby. From his birth, we want him to be a fully grown man. We even sing about it. I'm not trying to like ruin every Christmas carol, but away in a manger? Why do we feel the need to say, little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes? He was a baby. You know what babies do a lot? Cry. But no, of course, if you've got a six-pack and you're ripped and you're a, a tiny man, of course you're not going to cry. Who's a baby? Why is this so significant? Why am I ranting about Nativity Jesus is having a six-pack? Because something about us struggles with the humanity of Jesus. We struggle with it. We're not comfortable with it. From the time he's a baby, we want him to look like a man. And then everything Jesus does throughout his life, well, of course, he's God. We're afraid to embrace this reality that our Christology, our theology of Jesus, has to contain two vital components. One of them, we've got down. Jesus is fully God. We have mastered that. The other side of that theology is just like Jesus was 100% unquestionably God, the other side of that coin is Jesus was 100% unarguably fully human. And it doesn't contradict the fact that he was fully man, fully God, fully, completely human, a baby who needed changed, who needed burped, who needed fed, who needed, who needed to be soothed. This is significant because God in flesh means that God was here among us and he lived the entirety of human existence. He lived the fullness of a human experience. That's why the Bible can say Jesus was tempted in every way, just like we are. But he never sinned. But he was tempted. We're not comfortable with that either. He was tempted in every way, but he didn't sin. That means whatever temptations we face, Jesus faced it. Aggravated with Somebody at the store, Jesus was tempted to be aggravated at somebody at the market. In fact, as I look at scripture, I'm pretty sure his patience was tested with his own disciples. Scripture tells us that he was hungry. Hungry. Find yourself just, you get that hangry, you're just kind of so hungry that you're angry. And Jesus would have had moments of being tempted to be hangry. Jesus was tired. We like to think of Jesus as just always on the go, always doing, always working, always just doing his things because he's God. He never gets tired. He was on a boat, sound asleep in a violent storm. That's tired. Or my dad, who could sleep through a bomb. He was tired. 
was weary. He experienced everything that we experience. This is God with us because we have this sense of he was just God. He, was, he wasn't man. He was just God. Everything about him was God. And we lose that dimension of God with us, of God with us in flesh, living the same kind of life that you live. For 30 years, we know very little about Jesus, which means he lived an ordinary, boring life. He wasn't performing miracles at 18. He wasn't this prodigy at 14. He was just a carpenter's son living life, awaiting the green light from his father to start doing what he came to do. Jesus lived a human life with all that that entails means he also grieved. It fascinates me that when we come to the death of Lazarus, Jesus stalls going to Lazarus, waiting so that Lazarus can die, so that he can raise Lazarus from the dead, but yet when he gets there, knowing that he's arrived to raise Lazarus from the dead, he still takes a moment and he weeps. If I know that I'm about to raise somebody from the dead, I'm like, ah, no big deal. Grieves. He weeps. Whatever we face in life, Jesus fully knows that experience. Because, yes, without question, Fully, completely, 100%, no compromise, God. But fully, completely, 100%, no question, human. Knowing everything that living a human life entails. He had people that hated him. And went out of their way to make his life miserable. Have you ever felt that? He had friends let him down. Have you ever felt that? He had a friend betray him. Have you ever felt that? Christmas, as we remind ourselves that not only is he fully God, he's fully man, and he came in the form of a baby and lived a fully human life. He is here with us. He is Emmanuel today, God with us. No matter what we face, no matter what we go through, he is here present. And he knows what we're facing. Sometimes that's difficult. When you're going through a struggle and somebody meaning well and just wanting to be helpful, they say, I know exactly how you feel. Don't say that to somebody because you don't. You don't know what it's like to be in their shoes. But there's one person who does. And that's Jesus. He's been in that same spot. He does know exactly how you feel. Christmas for me and this realization of Emmanuel, God with us, is this invitation to know that no matter what I face, no matter what I go through, no matter what I'm feeling inside, Jesus is still Emmanuel. 
He is still God with us. He is still God in flesh. He is still the God who fully lived the human experience and knows what we face. And so often as we go through trials and struggles in life, it causes us to kind of turn away from God and say, well, he's just abandoned me. But rather Jesus entered into that. He lived a life of suffering. So much so that the Bible says he was familiar with suffering. See, if you're defined as being familiar with suffering, it means that you had more than just a bad day. He was familiar with it. He knows it. So as we face a new year, and who knows what the new year is going to hold, Seems like the past five years, we're like, well, glad that year's over. The next year can't be worse. I'm not saying that anymore. But I will say as a complete tangent, I don't know what New Year's Eve show you watch or on what channel. Well, I, don't forget, I forget what channel it was. 2019, the New Year's Eve show. Steve Harvey of The Family Feud hosted one of the New Year's Eve shows. And kind of his co-host was Rob Gronkowski, the football player. And on the platform, there's this big Lego model of Steve Harvey's head. And during the program, Rob Gronkowski took this Lego head of Steve Harvey and smashed it on the ground. And we all know what 2020 was like. And what 2021 was like. And what 2022 has been like. So this New Year's Eve, I think we need to rebuild the Steve Harvey Lego head. But every year has a whole fresh set of troubles. And every step of it, we walk it with Emmanuel, God with us. One who invites us in our pain, in our struggles, in our hardships, rather than hiding from him to run to him because he knows. He knows in a way that nobody else knows. He invites us. Because sometimes, again, if you're like me, it's easy to approach him and draw near to him when it's a great day, I'm in a good mood, everything's going well. It's so easy to just be like, yeah, Lord, I know that you love me and I'm just... But then when the depression and anxiety get overwhelming and nothing seems to be going right and just I feel in a funk, it's like, Lord, Lord I don't deserve to, to come to you. I, I need to get myself together so that I can come to you. What Christmas teaches us, what Advent teaches us is Emmanuel. Is a God who didn't say, Get your act together so that you can come to me. It teaches us of a God who said, hang on, I'll be right there. I'm going to come to you and enter into your experience. Not hover over it and like, oh, that, that looks like a bummer. But who takes on our human experience and invites us to draw closer to him with every step of our human experience. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. Fully God, fully human.
able to be the one that we worship and adore, but also the one who fully has entered into our struggles, our hardships, our pains, our joys, and knows the full extent of the human experience. As we face a new year, Emmanuel stands once again and says, come to me. No matter what you've done, no matter what you're going through, come to me. Because I came down for you. Let's pray. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope to learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.